coming up. And he saw that picture of his grandfather that, you know, of course he had never met the man, but family photos, he has seen that picture and immediately caught his attention on his social media feed. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Gaston County, North Carolina, a cold case is finally seeing some answers, as investigators have announced an update in a case from 1979. All new at 11, finally some closure, and it's more than four decades in the making. Investigators working a Gaston County cold case, now turning skeletal remains into a face and a name. Brianna Harper joins us from WCNC in Charlotte, North Carolina. Brianna, thanks for joining us to talk about this case. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Take us back all the way to the fall of 1979 when police in Gaston County, North Carolina, are called to a report of a body being found. What happened? Yeah, so this was an interesting case. When we spoke to um, Gaston County PD, they kind of described to us what that area looked like back in 1979. Obviously, very underdeveloped, remote. And, you know, when you think about it, those are the perfect circumstances, of course, to dump a body. Um, they said that was a place where they usually would find um, stolen cars. You know, just when people are up to good, they want to be in a place where they can't really be seen. So obviously, this remote area um, was ideal for someone to, you know, dump a body. Now, at the time when they um, found this body, they weren't able to identify who this person was. There was no ID on them. Um, And so they were kind of like at a loss of trying to figure out who this person was. And then it kind of came to a stop there in 1979 um, until things kind of got moving moving forward years later um, after that. Is it clear at that point what exactly happened to this unidentified victim that that this was the result of something intentional as opposed to an accident? So they did identify this as a homicide victim at the time, um, but there was really no other physical evidence at the scene. There was no murder weapon, they're told, um, you know, really nothing that could link them to, you know, how this person was killed or who may be responsible um, at that moment. So, you know, all they saw was this body and really no ID to, to connect who this person might be. Why exactly was it? so difficult back in 1979 to try to figure out the identity of a victim? Technology. You know, honestly, there's so many things that we take for granted today that can kind of connect different pieces and and make everything make sense. But back then, they really just didn't have those different opportunities. Um, In fact, even for the victim's family, they didn't even know that he was missing because they didn't have, you know, the contact to reach out to him, you know, on the consistent basis. They didn't have, you know, uh, social media accounts and things to check in on their family members. So, you know, for a while, they were just assuming that he had maybe been, you know, in jail for all these years. They didn't know that he was actually missing all this time. We then go about 40 years without any movement in this case. How does it end up back on the radar of investigators in 2020? So um, the Gaston County Police Department kind of got a revamped on their cold case unit and they kind of wanted to make it more uh, refined so that every detective would be assigned a cold case and every week or so they will all meet and kind of give new updates on these one or two cases that they were assigned. Um, and specifically for this case with James Harold Smith, they kind of had some some tools to use. One of the things I wanted to come in and look at was what was available we could look at with new technology. Specifically, the skeletal remains that were still being held. And so that's kind of when they decided to use the resources with the um, National Database for Missing People 
And they were able to take those remains and send them to the University of South Florida, where they were able to run it through the system and, you know, essentially being able to take the DNA from a family member of Mr. Smith and connect it and, you know, put those pieces together. You mentioned that they were able to identify this victim as James Harold Smith. What else can you tell us about who this man was? Yeah. So, you know, as we had mentioned, he had went last seen back in 1979. He had just left a court case um, here in Mecklenburg County. And so his brother, um, that was the last time he had seen him um, after that court case. And his brother, unfortunately, went to jail after that. So he was in jail for many, many years, you know, had no contact with his brother when he got out. Of course, he started looking for him, you know, no way of being able to reach him, kind of figure out where he was. Um, and so that's kind of where the um, discrepancy was. I know a lot of people were kind of confused about why he was last seen in 1979. Then the actual missing persons report was filed in 2014. That's when his brother, like, actually went to police and said, you know, I haven't seen or heard from my brother in years. This is what happened, da, da, da. You know, and that's when the report was filed back in 2014. So, I mean, imagine that 1979 to 2014, um, you know, a report being made. And of course, you know, CMPD took it. They didn't really have much to go on besides what the brother was able to offer. Um, But that was at least a starting point, at least. You mentioned the family had no idea what might have happened to James Harold Smith if he was even alive. In fact, there's a missing persons flyer from the Charlotte Mecklenburg police after that missing persons report was filed that mentions it was believed that he'd stayed at a residence on Honeywood Avenue in the 1980s, which, of course, is after we now know he'd been killed. Right. And that flyer, um, the missing persons flyer that CMP had put out was really kind of the way to get this thing circulating. Um, I had actually interviewed the grandson of James Harold Smith who found that flyer on social media. And he saw that picture of his grandfather that, you know, of course he had never met the man, but family photos. He has seen that picture and immediately caught his attention on a social media feed. Octavius Bouzier says he found himself scrolling through Facebook where you typically connect with family and friends. But this time was different. This photo unexpectedly popping up on his feed. Like I literally broke down when I seen that picture because I knew And that's kind of how he was able to figure out, oh, wow, this is all connected to his grandfather who he thought was missing this whole time or just, you know, had gone off and lived his life and not knowing that he was unfortunately a victim of homicide. I wanted to know who my grandfather was, you know, like I wanted to know like where my traits came from, you know, like basically who who I really am. And one thing that was kind of um, interesting as well that he has shared with me is that not only was his grandfather unfortunately um, murdered, but he said his father was as well. So for him, this was kind of a moment of what is going on. He said, you know, he kind of felt like his family was cursed for this to happen, you know, to two generations in his family, um, you know, being victims of homicide. After such a long time, after 40 years, I have to imagine this family might have thought they would never get answers as to what happened to James Harold Smith. What did Smith's grandson tell you it's been like for him and for the rest of the family to get news like that? I think at first it was a little bit of shock um, because like I mentioned, they always thought that, you know, maybe he had just got up and left and, you know, maybe just lived a different life elsewhere. Um, You know, I think he mentioned they thought that he was living in Winston-Salem somewhere, you know, just got off and and went to Winston-Salem. So seeing this kind of all come together, he said for him, it was a sigh of relief to kind of figure out, okay, 
this is who my grandfather was. You know, this is what happened to him, unfortunately. But at least now I know, you know, that's what he was saying. He's like, for all this time, I've just kind of been going off of what, you know, my grandmother would tell me, you know, his father died at a young age, but just briefly what his father used to tell him when he was younger. Um, so it's kind of, you know, putting all those pieces together, putting all those different stories together to kind of paint this picture of who does, who his grandfather really was. And as far as the investigation is concerned, we've solved one half of this mystery. The victim has been identified, but we still don't know who the perpetrator is, who killed James Harold Smith. What does this identification mean for the homicide investigation? Yeah, so that is definitely the first piece was identifying um, Mr. Smith. And they did mention Gaston County Police said that they did have a person of interest in mind. Again, like we mentioned, he was last seen leaving a court case. So I believe that person of interest has some connection to whatever that court case may have been. Um, But unfortunately, that person of interest has since passed. We may not be able to charge anybody on this case, uh, our person of interest. It's already deceased. We have an idea who did this crime now that we know who our victim is. But they did say that at least um, they would be able to kind of present a case to the DA and have that kind of be a closure for the family to say, you know, this is Mr. Smith. We believe that he was a victim of homicide and, and trying to figure out what exactly did happen. They do want people to still come forward because they don't know exactly how he was killed. And so if people have details about this other person of interest, they're definitely wanting to get those details for sure. Cold cases like this that get brought up again are are always so fascinating for a number of reasons. But I think one of them is that it really makes you wonder how many other stories could there be out there like this one where we have the technology, the tools to, to figure them out. It's just a matter of applying them. It sounds like there are potentially even others in Gaston County. Yeah, so right now Gaston County has 19 cold cases, which um, when you think about it, isn't that many, you know, especially for departments their size. And so they were saying like, they're still going to continue to be adamant about trying to solve these cold cases. Some of them, you know, dating back to the 60s. Uh, One of the things that the detective had mentioned was, you know, every victim has a family. Every victim has a family and those family members deserve to know. So, you know, no matter how many years pass, it's still a thing of, you know, this is my family member, this is someone I once loved and would love to know about what happened to them and get that sense of closure. I think it's just kind of a peace of mind for everyone. Brianna Harper with WCNC in Charlotte. Thanks for sharing the story. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for more podcasts, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows where you can search Volt Studios in your podcast app. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Volt Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.